Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, praise God. It is Mother's Day, isn't it? And I have the privilege of sharing the word today. Um... If you have your Bible or a mobile device where you get your uh, scripture from, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at a number of scriptures out of that, uh, out of that passage. But let me introduce it this way today on this Mother's Day. I don't really have a title for this thing, but here's, here's a thought. Mere mortal words cannot describe the true value of a mother, but let me give it a shot, okay? A, few, a couple of one-liners and a couple of stories to share here. The quickest way for a mother to get the attention of her children is to sit down and look comfortable. Yeah. Mothers can have a few minutes to themselves at the end of the day by doing the dishes. You know, whether that's loading the dishwasher, unloading the dishwasher, seems like there's always something. Um, there was a cartoon of this little kid, a two-year-old freckle-faced boy standing in the hallway. His pajamas are unsnapped, his diaper's baggy, and he's got a little teddy bear dangling in his hand. He's standing in front of his mother and father's bedroom door, which is shut. And on the door is a sign written by a very weary mom. Closed for business, motherhood out of order. Yeah. One mother says the joy of motherhood is what a woman experiences when all the children are finally in bed. Another woman who had three children was asked, if you had it all to do over again, would you have children? She said, yes, but not the same ones. <laughs> oh, boy, I tell you. You know, mothers are very interesting people. They, uh, they're superhuman at times. They speak a dialect. Uh, mothers all speak the same dialect and all kind of the same language. It's not in any book. It's not taught in any college. But every mother seems to know this, this language of motherhood. And I'll try to see if you recognize any of these. Don't get smart with me, young man. Or how, how about this one? Just wait until your dad gets home. Or I like this one here. If you break your leg, don't come running to me. And here's another one. You are going to have fun, and that's that. Okay? Uh, here's a caring one. Call when you get there. Call when you get there. And that's the last time I'm going to tell you. How many have heard that in their lifetime? And last but not least, where's my change? Huh? Where's my change? Yeah. If you're a mom, you know how that goes. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the characteristics of the mother that God chose to raise his only son. He picked one little teenage girl back in, the, back in Bible days to give birth to Jesus, to raise Jesus up. And I want to look at the characteristics of this young lady that God put his hand upon. Uh, and beginning in Luke chapter 1, in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even your Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now this angel had quite a bit to say here, didn't he? I don't know what Mary was praying for in her own personal life. But obviously she got a visitation, so to speak. Amen? And twice in this passage, Mary's told that she's highly favored by God. And the question that I want to ask today is why? What is it in Mary's life, this little teenage girl, most theologians think she was around 14, 15 years old. It was very common back in those days uh, to be engaged and to be married at that age. What was it about Mary that caught God's attention? Okay? There's a couple of things here. Uh, I believe the reason God chose Mary, first of all, because of what Mary already had in her life. Whatever, whatever was in Mary in her life, in her character, in her being, God recognized that. Secondly, because God knew what Mary would become. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit. If you're note taken today, write this down. Number one, Mary had the proper perspective. Mary had the proper perspective. So big old Gabriel comes and taps her on the shoulder. Any depiction I've ever seen of Gabriel, he is a big dude. Okay? Uh, big angel, big angel. So, you ever wonder why she was so troubled? Well, I think it started with the fact that Gabriel showed up and, in, you know, kind of like in the flesh and made this announcement to her. Um, but let me give you a little background. She was engaged to Joseph at the time. They were already engaged. And engagements during that day and that culture were a whole lot more serious uh, than they are today. Today, if, if a man and a woman are engaged uh, and she's decided it ain't going to happen, she just takes the ring off, puts it in his hand and says, eh, we're done, see ya. But back in those days, a woman could not break off an engagement without a bill of divorcement. It had to be a legal document that was decreed and put into place. So the culture um, was very different than we live in now. And uh, if she was suspected of un being unfaithful to her betrothed, she could be divorced or she could be put to death by stoning. It's that simple. Um, yeah. Talk about some uh, peer pressure, huh? Wow. If her fiancé died, she was considered a widow, even at that age. And, and just engaged, she was considered a widow. And there were certain ramifications that came in the Jewish culture through that process. A child that's born during the engagement was considered illegitimate. You talk about public shame. Public shame. Yeah, they drag you out in the courtyard, in the public square. So there was a ton of social pressure on this little girl, okay? And Mary could have easily said, look, Lord, I'm not ready. I don't, I'm not ready to be a mother. I'm just, I'm just a teenager. I'm not wealthy. I'm not educated. And I am not worthy of what you're asking me to do. Maybe you should find someone else to do this. And nobody would have blamed her for saying that or doing that. But listen to her reply in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. See, Mary understood who God was. She understood that she served the Lord God Almighty. Mary knew who she was. And that was God's servant. A child of God. A handmaiden of God. 
And she knew that there was nothing impossible for her God to do. That's, that's huge right there. She, she didn't think there was anything impossible in, in God's notebook. Mary also had the right perspective about her role as a mother. She saw it as an honor. She saw it as a gift. And she saw it as a blessing. Mothers today, I know sometimes motherhood can be extremely frustrating. I remember when we were all through, I, my siblings and I are very close in age. And we were 13, 14, and 15, I think. And we're all just a year apart. And you talk about give my folks fits. Oh, my goodness. But thank God they didn't just kill us and tell God we died. You know, that kind of deal. Mothers have to have the proper perspective. You may feel overwhelmed, and you may feel inadequate for the job, but nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Psalms 127 and 3 reminds us, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a real blessing. So when you're having one of those wacky, crazy days with your kids, or your grandkids for that matter, because a lot of you care for your grandchildren, uh, just remember, they're a real blessing. Amen? Another reason Mary had favor with God... Number two today, if you're writing down stuff for notes, Mary had a solid foundation. Mary had a solid foundation. Uh, Back to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Boy, Mary is declaring it here. Amen? He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but He has set the rich away empty. And He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Imagine what she looked like when she returned home, that belly sticking out there. Oh, my goodness. What a brave little girl. Amen? So, if in those ten verses that I just read, it's obvious that Mary knew the Scriptures. She knew what God's Word said, okay? There's about 30 phrases or words just in those ten, ten verses and they all come from the Old Testament. So Mary was, for a young teenager who probably, you know, had a, a nice teenage social life. And I don't remember if they, did they go to high school back in those days? And No, nah, maybe not. Okay. But, you know, think about a kid who's in ninth or 10th grade and they don't have a care in the world and they're just doing their thing. Mary knew the word and Mary was also a worshiper, the Bible says. That passage right there, 46 through 56, it's called Mary's Song. If you look it up in your Bible, it's labeled, in my Bible anyway, it's called Mary's Song. She was just giving thanks to God and glorifying her God the only way she knew how. So one thing I noticed in, in, in looking at the life of Mary, I looked all through my Bible and there wasn't a whole lot of information about Mary's mom and dad, about her parents. Obviously, there had to be a mom and dad somewhere in the mix. And obviously, if she was a young teenager and she knew the word and she understood her purpose in worship, I say kudos to Mary's mom and dad. Amen? Whoever those people were did a heck of a job raising this little girl to say at the age of 14 or 15 or 16, okay, Gabriel, whatever God says, I'm good with that. Let's step off the, let's step off the platform here and let's go with this thing. Amen? Mary's solid foundation that she had in her life is a great example for mothers today. A mother who praises God and knows God's word is going to make a big difference in the life of their children. Amen? Mothers like that are constantly planting seeds 
that will someday bear fruit. What does the Bible say? Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's planting seed in that, in that child's life. And sometimes they don't go the direction you think they should go. Um, sometimes they bring tears of sorrow and grief to moms and dads too. And they do things that just you want to pull your hair out. But the bottom line is you've planted seeds in that life. And someday the fruit will come to pass. It will blossom. It will flourish. And you will be grinning from ear to ear, so to speak. Amen? Psalm chapter 78, beginning in verse 3. It says, Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation to the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. Listen, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. I love that. I love that. Declaring what we should do when it comes to planting seed in the lives of our kids. Amen? Second Timothy 1 and 5. Paul was writing to his young disciple, his young protege, Timothy, In chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. The Apostle Paul looked at young Timothy and didn't despise his youth. He just said, wow, you come from a great bloodline, young man. You come from a great heritage, and your grandmother and your mother have planted seeds in your life. And now it's coming to pass. It's coming to fruition. There's a great foundation that we build when we're passing on our Christian heritage. Most people, a lot of people don't think about that. They say, well, you know, I'll just, I'll do my best for my kids. I'll do my best. So mothers, how solid is your foundation? Let me ask you a couple of questions today. Do you have a good understanding of who God is? Do you hide his word in your heart and in your mind so that it guides you in motherhood? You know, it's nice when you come up against something tough as a mom or a grandmother. You come up against a tough situation and, and scripture can come back to mind to say, and you can rattle it off. Say, hey, devil, look what I just remembered. <laughs> You're not getting the best of me today. Do you know God's words well enough to pass it on to your children? I remember when we were just little guys, and we'd go to Sunday school, and there was always homework, it seemed like, when you went to Sunday school. Even if you were pre- the preacher's kid, you had to memorize scripture. And they'd take the whole class through it, and then somewhere along the way, you'd all end up standing up here up the front, and we'd all say that scripture passage together. Everybody would applaud. It was wonderful. Do you know God's word well enough to pass it on to your children? Do you set a good example as one who loves to worship and praise God? I remember my mom. And she'd have the, the uh, back in those days it was vinyl. She'd have a gospel record playing. And she'd be standing there washing dishes. She would have tears in her eyes. She'd be worshiping God. Soapy water running down her elbows. And then she'd go back to washing dishes. She was a worshiper. Is your home life built on a solid foundation? Ask yourself that series of questions today. Psalm 127, 1, the first part says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now, we normally apply that to church, don't we? Well, if you don't build it on the Word, you don't build it on prayer, well, you're not going to build a church. Well, what about in our own personal lives? Unless the Lord builds the house, your home, with a solid foundation, the builders labor in vain. So 2,000 years ago, God chose this young girl to give birth to Jesus because of what she already had. That was a proper perspective and a solid foundation. And God also chose Mary because he knew what she would become. He could see out there. He knew 
what the future looked like. He knows what your future looks like. Amen? He knew, he knew what you would become, and that would be number three today, unrelenting in protection. Unrelenting in protection. Mothers have a natural instinct built in them from the very beginning to protect their young. I call it the mama bear syndrome. Okay? If you've ever seen any video footage like on YouTube or whatever, and you've seen an idiot tourist get too close to uh, a cub bear, like at Yosemite or something, they think, hey, oh, they're so cute. And yeah, mama bear comes ripping out of the woods and tears their head off with a big swipe of the paw. That's, that's kind of what the protection, most of you will say, yeah, I've, I've been in situations where it's, I've been required to protect my child. And yeah, I, I would tear somebody's head off if that's what it took. Okay. And a mother's instinct of protection goes way beyond all other human relationships. Dads will be the protector. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I'll get the baseball bat and greet him at the front door if that's what it takes. Um, but boy, oh boy. Yeah, chances are mama's already beat me to it, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, from the, from the very moment that Jesus was born, his life was in danger. I mean, there, you, you read the word and it's evident that that was the situation. King Herod wanted him dead. Kill all those firstborn children, huh? Which forced Mary to flee to Egypt. So Mary protected Jesus from Herod and a lot of other things that might have hurt him at a very young age. She also protected Jesus in his identity. Okay? She knew who he was. She knew what he would become. But she didn't run around blabbing all about his supernatural things that he could do. Then I thought about that statement. Well, except when she told him at the wedding, you need to turn the water into wine. Just pay attention to my son. He'll turn the water into wine. Do whatever he tells you to do. But as he was growing up, she wasn't a, a billboard for Jesus and what he would become, okay? Luke 2.18 and 19 says, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told him. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the Greek word, when you look it up in the Greek, and, and I don't do that very often, but I looked up this word, treasured, and it's got a, a line that says, An intense protective keeping. An intense protective keeping. That's what Mary was basically functioning in as Jesus was growing up. I would say that she's a mom that walked in wisdom. She wasn't very old. She didn't have a lot of life, life's experiences to bounce off of, you know, to refer back to. But she was a mom that walked in wisdom. Mothers, your children need your protection. No matter what age they are, they need your protection. They need that mama bear syndrome from time to time. Okay. It's real obvious when they're little. Um, there's plenty of danger. Moms have to protect their kids from things like germs and stairs and electrical outlets and poisons under the sink and hot stoves, etc., etc. I thought of some of the things that my mom had to protect me from. When I was about two, I guess I got a hold of her tweezers. And I don't know how I got a hold of her tweezers, um, but I guess I maybe I was approaching three. I don't know. Uh, it was before we moved to the Dallas, Oregon, and I was three when that happened. And... Uh, I took the tweezers and I put them in an outlet and it shorted the outlet and it was a big black puff of smoke and it rolled me back about three feet. Little butterball that I was, little butterball that I still am, what can you say? It rolled me back about three feet and my mom had to come and rescue me from myself. So moms are always having to protect their kids. I remember when we moved to the Northwest, everything was heated with wood. So I grew up in California most of my early years and I didn't know anything about a wood stove. I didn't realize that that big chunk of black metal was going to get hot. Yeah, so they're always having to protect you. So, my, yeah, my mom's done her share of protecting me as a child and, and through her prayers a whole lot more as an adult. Moms, do you remember your first reaction the first time your child came home and they got a scratch or somebody bit them at school? You remember your, your uh, yeah, your mama bear going to gear kind of thing? 
Who would dare do that to my child, right? Or the first time that someone said something mean to them and hurt their feelings and drew tears. There was a, uh, I'll tell you another little story, and I may have told you this before, but um, when I was five, we moved from the Dallas, Oregon to Southern California for my dad to take another church down in Santa Ana. We moved into this little apartment complex. And uh, in the apartment complex, there were sidewalks everywhere, just all in between the buildings and up and down and, and all around. And, and uh, so I got my little scooter, and I'd get on my scooter, and man, I'd pedal that scooter. It was just one of those things where you push with one foot and you ride with the other. And I was tickled pink. I, I think my grandma or grandpa gave it to me who lived right down the street. And, uh, and I'd go out there and ride that scooter, and then there was a kid in the building across the courtyard. And if he saw me riding my scooter, he'd come out and he'd just take a run at, flying run at me and push me off my scooter. His name was Cecil. He was, that was Cecil, and he was bigger than me. And uh, so I'd go crying to my mom. I'd go in the house, Mom, Cecil pushed me off my scooter. I skinned my knee. And, and she'd say, well, go out there. And, you know, Let's wipe it up, and you go out there and get back on your scooter. So about the third time I came in whining about Cecil pushing me off my scooter, she says, you know what? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it again. The next time Cecil pushes you off your scooter, you double up your fist, and you hit him as hard as you can right in the nose. And I said, seriously? She says, yeah. You double up your fist, you hit him right in the nose as hard as you can. I don't want to hear it. Go back out and play. So she bandaged me up, and I went out there, and sure enough, here comes Cecil. I go down, the scooter goes down, I get up, I did what my, I looked at my fist, I remember this as a five-year-old kid. I looked at my fist, I looked at Cecil's nose, and I hit him as hard as I could right in the middle of his nose, and blood just exploded and went everywhere. Guess what? Cecil never bothered me again. That's a little bit of mama bear wisdom working in my life. Yep, Cecil never bothered me again. So, there you go. I guess there was bully, bullying back in the 60s, huh? Wow. As your child grows up, Mom, they're still going to need your protection from things like low self-esteem, drugs, alcohol, peer pressure, sexual immorality, suicide. Man, I, I think about what our kids go through these days. Life when I was a kid seemed a lot simpler. And most of you that have been around for any length of time would attest to that. Life was a lot simpler back in those days. At times, they may not always want your protection, at times, they may even resent your protection, and they may tell you to take a flying leap, okay? Don't be surprised by it, but don't stop being their mom, the mama bear, when they need it the most, amen? Number four, Mary had favor with God because he knew she would be unwavering in love and devotion. She would be unwavering in love and devotion. Mary's love and devotion for Jesus began before he was born, and it lasted way beyond the cross. And she was there to see him do what he did. And she was there to cheer him on. I think Mary was probably his biggest cheerleader. So the first picture we have of Mary in the New Testament is this teenage girl that we talked about today. Young, inexperienced, but loved God, knew God's word, and had a relationship with her God. The final picture we see of Mary, she's an older woman. Her hair is a little bit gray in places. Her skin is wrinkled by years in the desert sun. But the story is told in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So many years later, we see Mary after Jesus has already died, resurrected, he's gone to heaven. Here's Mary out basically evangelizing and telling the good news of the gospel. She's right where she's supposed to be, and Jesus is still, number one, at the center of her attention, even though... He's gone to be with his heavenly father. Let me bring this to a conclusion today by reading you this little story, What is a Mother? And I hope this will speak to you in some way. Somewhere between the youthful energy of a teenager 
In the golden years of a woman's life, there lives a marvelous and loving person known as mother. A mother is a curious mixture of patience, kindness, understanding, discipline, industriousness, purity, and love. A mother can be at the same time both lovelorn counselor to a heartsick daughter and a head soccer coach to an athletic son. A mother can sew the tiniest stitch in the material for that dainty prom dress, and she is equally experienced in threading through the heavy, heaviest traffic with a station wagon or a minivan full of kids. A mother is the only creature on earth who can cry when she's happy, laugh when she's heartbroken, and work when she's feeling sick. A mother is as gentle as a lamb and as strong as a giant. Only a mother can appear so weak and helpless and yet be the same one who puts the fruit jar cover on so tight that dad can't even get it off. A mother is a picture of helplessness when dad is near and a marvel of resourcefulness when she's all alone. A mother has the angelic voice of a member of the celestial choir as she sings Brahms' lullaby to a baby held tight in her arms. Yet this same voice can dwarf the sound of an amplifier which she calls for her boys in for supper or cheers them on at a game. A mother has the fascinating ability to be almost everywhere at once. And she alone can somehow squeeze in enormous amounts of living into the average day. A mother is old-fashioned to her teenager, just mom to her third grader, and a simple mama to that two-year-old little sister. But there is hardly a thrill in life that can compete with pointing to that wonderful woman and being able to say these words to the entire world, that's my mother. Isn't that excellent? That's my mother. Now, I still have my mom on this earth. She's 80, 81, something like that. I have a... I have a hard time keeping track of her age. The older my folks get, the less I'm, I'm good at that. But I believe she's 80, and I believe Dad just turned 84. So I still have the pleasure, and I will do it this evening after I've taken my nap. I will, uh, I will pick up the phone, and I will call Judy P. and talk to her for half an hour or so and just tell her how much I love her. She's, she's my biggest prayer warrior. And I get tender when I think about all of the prayer that she's put in for me, Susie, David, my siblings. We're all involved in ministry, and I believe wholeheartedly because of her prayers, we are where we are at today because Judy prayed. And she held us up before God, especially back when we were teenagers and we were squirrely. And all that mattered were pretty girls and fast cars back in those days. Yeah, boy, oh boy, Judy really had to pray back in those days. But I always tell her that. I tell her how much I love her and, and how much I appreciate all that she's done for me. And, uh, and I realize that her age, she won't be around a lot longer. But I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to at least pick up the phone. Sometimes we get the chance to jump in the car and go spend a day or two in Roseburg. And we'll go to her little retirement village there and sit and visit with her and ask her what's new. And She doesn't leave the retirement village. She doesn't drive anymore, so there's not much that's new. But it's always good because she loves to tell stories. Yep, she got that from her her daddy, Bill Dalton. He was a... Storyteller, and uh, so I appreciate her, and I know that you all, as you think about your mama, whether she's here today or she's in heaven, uh, that you all have fond memories, and uh, and God's goodness is is reflected in those memories. Amen. Once while stand together, and uh, I'm going to pray over you today. I apologize for the the video stuff going haywire. We've got a real tired computer up there, and Mike's been in the process of building a new one. And we're looking forward to when all the new parts show up and we get that done. And hopefully we can look forward to actually showing stuff without it stopping partway or glitching partway or whatever. It, whatever. Computers kind of have a mind of their own and it's 
It's kind of like those teenagers huh? we talked about. <laughs> they get a mind of their own, and they do whatever they want, and you can't do much about it. But still a resource that's good to use. Amen. Father God, thank you again today for this beautiful Mother's Day. Lord, we've come into your house today, and we've worshipped together. We've prayed together. We've celebrated together. Thank you for, especially for the moms who are standing here today, who have brought children into this world, grown them up, set them on the path, and uh, have sowed seeds of righteousness into their lives. So, Father God, we're grateful for these ladies today, and we honor them, and we love them, and we pray over them today a special blessing on this Mother's Day, and uh, all of your goodness, all of your graciousness, all of your mercy, and all of your blessing in their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Lord bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.